Hey everybody, welcome back to the Fin Factor. I'm Paul. And I'm Aaron. This is episode number 177. Uh, folks, for the podcast, uh, the reason I'm laughing is because <laughs> we already have comments in here. And uh, I'll just start reading some of these. Well, the, the one that I'm laughing about here is Peter St. John saying, Hey, Super Producer Jason, have you ever been the one holding up the start of the show? Because we started about eight minutes late. And he replies, only when they want a graphic last minute, which is what tied me up just now. We're going live now. Uh, do not ask me to screenshot a tweet one minute before from going live. I'll lose my mind. And actually, that is fairly accurate. He does lose his mind, regardless of when you ask for it. He, When you ask him to get a tweet in there, he does not like tweets. There's a very famous quote. We, we, can't, we can't quote it uh, from Super Bruce Jason, but he is very unhappy uh, with tweets. Uh, going back to Peter St. John, though. Evening, boys. Kellen Foster with a let's go, baby. Uh, yes, indeed. Kellen, let's go. <laughs> um, and then we've got uh, Peter St. John making the observation that Coach Quinn's getting the big bucks, but, man, I kind of feel bad for him. Not exactly setting uh, his coaching career on fire as he would want. Yeah, but you know what? He knew exactly what he was getting into, Aaron, right? I mean, he, he, he knew. Yeah, and he's still coaching in the NHL, so I don't think he minds so much. And NHL coaches kind of have that buffer. If they do get fired, they still get paid for the rest of their contract. So um, I think he's doing just fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's frustrated, but yeah, he's all right. I think anybody having anything to do with San Jose, including fans, are a little bit frustrated right now, and rightfully so. But you know what? Before we get to, well, okay, the folks that are looking for the tank card for Bedard train, let's choo-choo, baby. Um, however, <laughs> we're going to give folks uh, some time to get in here. In fact, why don't you guys help us out, get some more folks in here. If you can hit us with that retweet, hit us with that share. Uh, we certainly would appreciate that and get some more people in here chatting with us today. We've got a few things that uh, might be a little bit interesting here for you guys. So uh, there's that. But while you guys are doing that, I'm just going to kill just a little bit of time talking about something that's not Sharks related, talking about something that uh, actually made me happy in the world of hockey. Uh, not this weekend, but the weekend prior. Uh, the 10UA Cougars, Cupertino Cougars, became NorCal champions. The reason I bring that up is because my son played for that team. Uh, they they had some really killer, crazy, amazing games going on. Everything was really tight. Uh, big stick taps to the Sharks 10U1 and three teams, uh, and to Capital Thunder, who was uh, quite the opponent. They were very, very good. So I just want to call those teams out for the uh, 10U uh, division. Uh, guys did a really great job, but, you know, again, congratulations to the Cupertino Cougars. Uh, did a great job. NorCal champs. So there's that. Now, Aaron, back to uh, Sharks. Yeah, Nicholas Egan throwing out the uh, little party toot horn thingies, whatever those are. What are those things called, man? What, what is that? A party horn? I don't know. Party horn? The thing you blow in and it goes, like a kazoo? Like at New Year's, you blow yeah. a little thing. That thing. Yeah. Whatever that is. Okay, so thank you, Nicholas Higgins. appreciate you for throwing those in there. Um, so, Aaron, again, let's take a look at some of the past games here, and then we'll kind of move on uh, into the more interesting stuff, if you will, because we kind of know how the games went already. We just stunk. And we just stuck, right? <laughs> so, so we know how they went, obviously, because we saw them. And, and of course, because we're talking about the Sharks. And we kind of know how these games have been going recently. So uh, in Vancouver, uh, a 7-2 to two loss. Now, remember, Aaron, last week when we were doing the upcoming games, you know, at the end of the episode, I had said, well, Vancouver, they're a pretty solid team, right? And you said, no, they're absolutely not a solid team. 7-2. to two. I mean, how bad are the Sharks if uh, a not-so-solid team is destroying them 7-2? to two? I think the way they're playing that night, Columbus could have put up seven on the Sharks. It's pretty bad. 
And Columbus, for those that don't know, is the next worse team than the Sharks because the Sharks are now in dead last. Yes, but, they yeah. are. Um, by the way, Kellen Foster saying the kazoo sounding thing. He says Vuvuzela. I think that <laughs> was uh, back in the World Cup. Um, what was that? Wow. Good that knowledge there. That's impressive. Thank you. I, I, hey, sometimes soccer things. Yeah. For me too. Yeah. Who knows? I'm surprised. Um, ben and Gunsry says officially leading the race for a best chance getting Bedard. Woohoo. Uh, absolutely. And we'll be bringing that up later on in the episode. So, Ben, stick around as I'm sure that you will. But, uh, Aaron, you had made a note here about the Vancouver game that Reimer uh, looked pretty off his game. Um, I've got maybe a question for afterwards, but why don't you just go ahead and talk about uh, Reimer not looking uh, himself in that game? Um, I mean, we talk about soft goals and stuff and how we don't really categorize a lot of stuff as soft goals, but I feel like he gave up a fair amount of shots that I thought he normally would have stopped. Um, He just looked very off. And goaltending is very much a mental game. Uh, You can ask Robin Leonard of the Golden Knights about this, but um, it's a very mentally tough position to play because you are on for 60 minutes. I mean, think about how many times, uh, what's the most ice time like a a defenseman would get closer to 30 minutes. That's half the game. The goalies are on almost all the time. They don't get as many breaks. They don't get to hang out on the bench and rethink about that last shift. Like they just have to go to the next play. So mentally it's a very draining position. Um, and he looked very, very off, uh, a lot of goals that, and out of position, he just, he didn't seem like his normal self. And obviously he let in seven. I'm actually shocked. They didn't pull him. Um, considering the sharks were not playing back to back. I thought they would have pulled him and, and put in Kakin in, but, um, they did not. Yeah, I was kind of wondering um, if there were maybe some, because we remember last week, the whole controversy was that James Reimer didn't want to wear the pride jersey, right? And he was questioned and and he brought this thing up in the media and he got some backlash. He says he didn't really pay attention to the things that are out there on social media and whatnot, but I, you know, who knows? Um, I'm kind of curious and I'd like to hear your take on it. And, and folks uh, in the chat, please feel free to give us your thoughts on this as well. Do you feel like maybe this game was kind of some lingering effects of kind of the backlash uh, from Pride Night and what he had uh, decided to kind of tell the, the world there? Yeah, I think that's part of it. And either it's consciously or subconsciously. That's just weighing heavy on him. So um, it didn't he he really just it was not the James Reimer that we normally see, even though, yeah, the Sharks are losing. You never see him really get blown out, especially this much into a team that's not like uh it's not like the boston bruins are leading the league right this is vancouver who i don't even think they're going to make playoffs but i think um yeah he's just going to be there you go kellen as a goalie what is the toughest position you've been in mentally or or your most off night to aaron um i mean for me soccer is a little bit different because it's less active time versus hockey you're not getting as many shots but it is a very mentally tough thing because um man just just playing Playing in college was crazy. Um, practice more so than the games, only because practice you're getting more shots, more volume of shots, and you're playing against your best players on your team. Um, but it's it's tough to mentally. It's more of like the shaking off of the mistakes. That's the hard part um, because you get a goal scored on you. You're thinking about what you did wrong because it's usually a mistake and how you could do better the next time, but also shaking it off and being prepared and ready for the next shot and being confident in yourself that you're going to stop it. That's the part. 
Um, Aaron is nails, Kellen. Ice water. He's never flinched as a goalie. I've definitely been scored on many times, many, many times. Um, it's funny, like, and I'm just going to go off on a tangent here since, you know, the Sharks are terrible. But I didn't start playing goalie until uh, 7th, 8th grade. And I was on a very bad soccer team. And that actually helped me because they were so bad that I got a lot of action, a lot of shots taken on me. Um, I remember one a few funny, two, two funny stories here. One, the ball like going through my legs. It's just embarrassing when it you can't close your legs in time. Basically, five <laughs> hole like in hockey, but in soccer with the ball, it's much bigger. Um, going through my legs and then turning around to get it and kicking it into the goal. It's very embarrassing. Um, two, I was playing goalie for one of the first times, and as a in soccer, you never same with hockey. You never stay on your goal line. You're always off and cutting off angles. Well, I didn't know that. I was just starting off, and I'm watching the play on the other side of the field and I'm watching and I'm walking side to side and I walked right into the goalpost. Just boom. Just <laughs> hit my head. I'm just like, oh my God. Like, and I look around, I'm like, oh, nobody saw that. I'm okay. All right. Let's just keep playing. <laughs> like just embarrassing. But anyway, fun little anecdotes there. But um yeah, goaltending is is a very mentally tough position and um it, it takes a lot out of you. So even subconsciously if you have a lot on your mind or in the back of your mind, it's there and it's messing with you. So I think this absolutely played a role in it. Yeah. Um, I couldn't help but notice that I didn't get to read the whole thing, but there was another article put out um, just a few hours ago, actually uh, Shang Ping. And I think Corey Massasek both put out uh, articles if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And um, I thought it was maybe just old thing that kind of hashed up. No, it was like three hours ago uh, from this show, uh, the start of the show. And uh, it was asking Reimer kind of some of the same similar questions um, and he was responding to it. And I'm wondering if they brought this stuff up or if he was saying, you know, I feel like I need to bring this back up again. I don't know if I was, uh, you know, understood properly or whatever. I don't know who kind of who initiated that like second conversation. But the fact that he had a second conversation, they had a second article come out about it. And this has been it's over a week now. Right. So yeah. I really do feel like maybe there was some sort of lingering, like it was it was affecting his his mind just a bit, and this seven two loss maybe is kind of a, a a piece of that. I don't know. Yeah, I think um, I I would I'm guessing that they asked us follow up questions because it was a week later and because he played so poorly the other night, and they know it's a mentally tough position. That would be my guess of why they brought it up again. Nicholas Egan going after your heart here. He says, to quote a great soccer show, goalies need to be a goldfish. <laughs> yes. I remember, exactly. I remember that sentiment you shared with me. I haven't seen Ted Lasso, but. Oh, uh, geez. Come on. No, man. no, 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 no. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to start. Anything. You would Regardless. as a person who doesn't like soccer. You would like the show. Oh, OK. Is, um, is it making fun of it or what? Pretty much. Yeah. OK, good. Uh, maybe I'll look into it then. Uh, like- Calgary uh, in Calgary. I think this was what, what was the Saturday game, I think. The, the yep. Vancouver game was uh, it was Thursday. an afternoon game, remember? Yeah, and so Calgary, uh, they lose to Calgary five to three here. Now the the main takeaway from this one is that uh, Eric Carlson picks up a pair of assists. Uh, he got one assist in the Vancouver game, but he picks up a pair here, extends his point streak, his current point streak to uh, three games. Um, he's got two goals, three assists, and five points in that span. So five points in three games. We're going to be talking a little bit, just a little bit later on. It's actually coming up uh, pretty close here. Um, in terms of his pace and where he's going to end up. We had that as a roll call question, I think, last week. So, um, but before we get to that, I guess, like, for this, it's kind of just more of the same, right? The Sharks constantly making these 
these little mistakes, these small mistakes, and it costs them the game, right? Yep. Anything to add regarding was there I, something specifically just, about this game? The the turnovers in their own zone, which come right back to to haunt them and score. Like it, some of it's bad bounces, bad luck. Like the I think it was the tying goal. The Sharks had just scored to go ahead, just scored. And let me look at the timestamp. Actually, I have it up right here. Um, it's five fourteen. Martin Kaut scores to put the Sharks up three to two. Uh, I got to do the math. Fifteen seconds later. <laughs> Calgary scores the tie because the the puck gets dumped in. Kakanen goes to play it, tries to shoot it up the middle, kind of flicks it up. It hits Couture's skate. He can't control it. Bounces right to their guy who passes it to another wide open guy for a one timer and a goal. It's like, are you kidding? Like it was such a bang bang play because it was just a mental breakdown once again. Just simple mistakes that end up with the puck ended up um, going into the Sharks' goal. So uh, to me, I think. Um, again, like, you know, you take out the outlier of these Vancouver seven to two losses, blowouts, right? The Calgary game, it was five to three. That was an empty netter. So it really was a four to three loss. You take away all those mental mistakes. And to me, these are fixable. The Sharks are going to be a much better team next year. And now I'm not saying they're going to win a cup. I'm not saying they're even going to get to playoffs, but they're not going to be rock bottom of the league if they can fix these things because they're scoring goals. They're getting leads. They just can't hold them. You change that, you get a better goaltender in there. I don't know what they're going to plan to do. To me, I think Greer is going to go out and get somebody um, if he can this summer. Um, and you fix that part of it. And you you he's already rebuilt the blue line in terms of prospects and, and up-and-coming players that are ready to play starting next season. Um, you start building out of the back and work your way forward. Right now, the Sharks are scoring decent enough not not enough for a playoff team, but decent enough to not be at the bottom. I think they have a lot to work with here, and it's not as dire as it seems. That's my opinion. So not sure if Eric Carlson is going to be a part of that next season or not. We'll have to see how the uh, draft goes and if he gets moved at that point. Greer's got a lot on his plate uh, to think about with that one. I know he's been, been listening to offers and that kind of thing. Obviously, nothing happened. Uh, Carlson's still playing with the team. Uh, but honestly, for me, that's okay. For me, it's the best of both worlds, right? You get to see a, a superstar like Eric Carlson doing what he does, having a career year. Uh, but the Sharks are also, um, you know, again, in the hunt. They're in the hunt for that that first overall, which, again, it's it sucks rooting for it. But at the same time, this is what's best for the team right now. What's best for the team is to, if you're not going to make playoffs, even if, you know, the, the 16th team in, right? If you're not going to be that team, you really want to be as low down in the standings as you possibly can be. Um, and so being able to watch Carlson still make the game entertaining has kind of been the thing that's drawing me back. Like without, without watching this guy play, it's just, it's a train wreck. So um, having said that, we're going to jump into some stats here for Eric Carlson, but uh, you guys know what it means uh, when he's getting points and whatnot. And we, we love doing this. So super producer Jason, go ahead. So Eric Carlson hits the 750 point milestone Uh, so far this season, 90 points. Okay. His previous best was 82. 
which I believe was in an 82 game season that he, he finished all 82 games is what I'm saying. So uh, he has done it before. He's, he stayed healthy the entire time. We'll get to that in a second. Um, of those 90 points, 68 were assists. His previous best was 66. Uh, of those 90 points, 22 were goals. His previous best, 21. So he's having a career year in all categories here. Now, the other thing that I thought was interesting, and you brought this up uh, last episode, I believe, he's got an 11.3, an absolutely absurd 11.3 shooting percentage and that demolishes his previous best of 8.5, which was last season with the Sharks. So, I mean, he hasn't missed a game. Like, he's, he's he hasn't missed a single game yet. There it is. There it is. You just jinxed it. Way to go. Way no, to go, Paul. Yet. I'm, I'm saying he has. I'm not saying he won't. He, he may. He may not make it to the end of the season. But he hasn't missed a game yet. And by this time in the season, he's already missed, like, 20 games, like, traditionally for the Sharks, right? So... For just the fact that he's been playing this entire time, hasn't missed a single game, now you can see what the point totals would actually be if he was catching that rhythm and going. And he's not even playing with a good team. And he's not yeah. even playing with good players anymore because we traded him, right? Timo Meyer's off the off the team. So he's still doing, he's still getting it done. Um, I think the last time that he played 82 games was in the 2015-2016 season for Ottawa. Uh, and and he's so far, he's on pace, obviously, because he hasn't missed one. He's on pace to do 82 for the Sharks for the first time since joining them. Pretty amazing stuff for me. I don't know. I, the, the fact that he's he's eclipsed his previous bests in all three categories. And, well, four if you count the shooting percentage. Um, yeah, just amazing. Now, Nicholas Egan saying, don't tempt the hockey gods, Paul. I think that was because uh, he's played 73 games out of the 82, uh, and there's only nine games left. But um no hey man facts are facts he just i'm just saying he hasn't missed that's it so uh there's the stat pack aaron did you want to say something else before we uh we move on here he is the second leading scorer on the sharks now that timo's gone who's the first he's the second leading scorer goal scorer goal, goal scorer. scorer who has more goals it's got to be hurdle nope he has really more than hurdle uh who logan couture el capitan really that's why he's the alternate captain because he doesn't have as many goals as Logan Couture. Oh, okay. Fair Couture enough. has 25. Carlson has 22. Hurdle has 20. Want to take real quick a guess for the next? Honestly, that's surprising. Don't you say no, Gregor. I know people got more than four. No. Who? Barabanov, who I would like to highlight is having a phenomenal season. He's three points away from hitting 50 points, which I think he will get there in the next nine games. Nice. 50 points from Barabanov is amazing. I mean, remember, this is the guy we got for anti Suomela, who's no yep. longer in the NHL, and we got a 50 point <laughs> player out of it. That is a great trade. Say what you will. I got nothing bad to say about Doug Wilson. Okay. And on that note, we're going to go ahead and close out the alternate <laughs> Captain Jack Carlson. Shiver me timbers. Ben, ben and Gunter with a great comment here. Imagine how far down the standings we would be without DK65. Oh, wait. That's <laughs> we're as low as you can get. More Points like we'd be lower. That's we would have been there been. sooner. That's all. <laughs> um, so the, the takeaway here isn't it, as you guys are saying, don't jinx it. Don't, uh, don't tempt the hockey gods. But there's still nine games to go. Um, the man is on pace for 101 points. Okay. Um, if he gets a point per game from here on out, he's going to hit 99. Um, 
And I'll be asking you guys uh, a question later on. I think some of you kind of know the direction that the question will be going. We've asked something similar, but I'm going to give a little twist. Uh, but before we do that, uh, there is a clip here from uh, Captain Logan Couture. And he was saying, um, talking about how he, he it, one of the things they really want for the season is for Eric Carlson to hit under points. Um, so we have this clip. Uh, I think we have the, the reporter asking the question even here. So why don't you go ahead and fire away. Eric Carlson, now the franchise leader in single season assists only among the defensemen passing Brent Burns. He reaches 90 points. What's he meant to this group so far this year? Tremendous. Uh, I really hope he can get 100. Uh, but, uh, I think that would mean a lot to him. It would mean a lot to every guy in this room. Uh, he's had an incredible year. It's been it's been coming to the rank fun to, to watch him play and be a part of uh, you know, his year that he's having. Uh, so that would be uh, would be a highlight to finish here. So like, just like I was saying for myself, just, this is kind of one of the things that kind of keeps me coming back and to, to watch, you know, the, the train wreck that is this season. And, and for the players, I think this is one of the reasons that they kind of helps get them up in the morning to come to the rink is to kind of help them get there and, and kind of play with this greatness. I don't know. What do you, what do you, what's your take on this? Absolutely. You're around the best defenseman, not just in the league, but in the world, this guy is doing things that a lot or almost nobody else can do. Um, it makes you a better player. You see how many passes he does, how many deeks the blue line, how many times he dances around that blue line. There's not a lot of players in the NHL that can do that. Even Kale McCarr has some limits to what he can do compared to Carlson. So um, it makes it fun to go to work and see greatness happen. You're going to practice and playing with this guy and learning from him. You're you're going. You're playing in these games that sure they're losing and. Not like they're meaningless, but they're still competitive and still fun because this guy just does amazing things. It is a lot of fun to be around. Um, when I played at Sonoma State, there was this guy, Tony, who was our leading goal scorer. And he I don't know if he led our league, but he was up there and he was amazing. And it just made everything so much more fun to go to both practice and to games because you just like you're also a fan. You want to see what they can do and you get a front row seat at doing it. So absolutely everyone's pulling for him uh it's not like carlson's like a mean dude and and for lack of better words and um very friendly and and a good teammate uh, he's an alternate captain as well so and a leader in the room um so yeah they're all pulling for him and they want him to get to 100 points just to kind of stick it to the nhl and to the other guys of saying hey everyone said he was too old and look at him at 32 he's going to be hopefully winning a norris trophy from a team from the bottom of the standings it's amazing yeah, the other thing is, uh, you know, Kale McCarr, is, he's an amazing player, don't get me wrong, and, and he's probably one of, if not, uh, well, I would say, let's just say he's one of the best uh, offensively-minded defensemen in the league, um, but he's also got guys like Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen. I mean, he's got a lot of really big-name players that he's, uh, you know, superstars that he can play alongside. Um, Carlson doesn't have that luxury. Carlson's uh, biggest threat offensively just got shipped out, so um for him to have the season that he's having like as you said playing from the bottom of the standings is really uh truly an amazing thing now here's kind of one of the things i think is is also interesting here is that we we are witnessing i think the best version of ek65 you know like you say he's 32 years old um but as i just went through his numbers he's he's having a career year he's never scored more goals he's never had more assists He's on pace to play as many games as you can so he's showing everybody that i'm not the glass cannon that you all think that i am right um everything down to his shooting percentage i mean he's this is the best version 
of EK65 that not just we as San Jose Sharks fans, but that the league, I think, has ever seen. So we talk a little bit about, I think at the beginning of the show, we said, you know, will Greer end up trading Carlson at the draft? And I know there's been discussions with Edmonton, et cetera, et cetera. Um, do you think that any potential trade partners, not just Edmonton, but any of them, um, have any leverage anymore just because he's like, quote unquote, past his prime? Because, I mean, if this is what he can do past his prime, uh, do they just do they think he's just going to fall off a cliff all of a sudden? I mean, what, what's your what's your thoughts? I don't know. Maybe a little bit. I mean, finishing out and playing all full 82 games would be a big deal for him and for his trade value, obviously. Um, the longevity and everything. Kind of going back what I was saying earlier about mental, like not every position, you know, it's not just goalies that have to have mental toughness here. Um, he mentioned himself specifically a couple months ago about, you know, the resurgence, like where did it come from? What happened? What's different this year versus the last four years as a shark? Um, since COVID hit, he hasn't been able to go back to Sweden in the offseason. So this was the first summer he got to go back in the offseason. His kids grew up a little bit, so they're not baby babies anymore. They're little kids, so it made it a little bit more, you know, less mentally tough because you're sleeping through the night and not worrying about your wife and anything else going on. So um, mentally, he was in a much better space. He could finally focus on just himself, and it's a big deal when you can do that. And going back to his uh, strength coach that he originally worked with in Sweden back in the day when he was before using the NHL, um, that helped him a lot. So I think... I'm not going to say he's going to play 82 games every season from the end of his contract, but I think at least 70 plus games, I think that's more reasonable. Um, I think gone are the days of him playing 50 to 60 games, unless something terribly breaks down or he has some freak accident. But um, I think his, his value goes up. I think uh, we might see a situation where someone gets bounced in the playoffs because they didn't have that outlet pass or that power play quarterback, and they're going to shoot for the moon and try and get Carlson. It also depends on the the cap next year and what that goes up to. Um, any other moving pieces of players getting shuffled around. I think the Sharks don't. I think they're in a good spot. I think um, Greer's in a good spot because he doesn't have to trade Carlson. There's nothing forcing him to do it. Um, sure, it would it would you know, free up obviously a lot of cap space, but then for what, like, what are they, what are the sharks going after? They're not going after free agents. They're not going to be signing any big, huge name players yet. So they don't really need to have that much cap flexibility just yet. Um, That, that I think kind of helps Greer get a little more value out of a trade because he doesn't need, he's not forced to trade. So um, it would be it would be more like, OK, if you really want this guy, you're going to have to really shoot for the moon here and give me what what I want versus what you're only offering me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think he's got more cards in his hand because of it. Nicholas Egan, I want to go through some of these comments here. Nicholas Egan saying Carlson hitting 100 and winning the Norris would probably be the only highlight from this season. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd have to agree with you on that one. Uh, and then you've got one here saying uh, from LM. I hate hearing when people say EK shouldn't get the Norris because he's on a bad team. The award didn't mention what kind of team they have to be on. That's a, a true statement. <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly, I think when you're having a season like this without support, I think it's it should make it just that much more convincing that you're you're worthy of that trophy, right? I mean, he, the next comment LM has here: Makar has Ranton and McKinnon. EK has Gregor and Limbaugh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Do you remember when uh, when McDavid first came in the league and was leading the league in scoring, and yet Edmonton wasn't even close to playoffs? Right. There was a huge debate on if he should win the Hart Trophy, which is the MVP of the league. Right. How could somebody who is leading the league, how, how could someone win the MVP if their team doesn't get in the playoffs? I feel like the same thing for Carlson, not for the Norris, but for MVP talks is people are talking. Some people are like, oh, you should win Hart for that, like doing what he's doing. But if he were dragging the Sharks single-handedly into the playoffs, absolutely, I think he'd be up for the Hart. I also think that um, uh, Quinn would be up for the Jack Adams if they were able to make playoffs with this bare bones, I feel like, of a roster going into the season. So, yeah, again, going back to, I think, what I said either last week or two weeks ago about the Norris, it should be split into two trophies. They should have the Norris trophy for best defensive defenseman, which could be voted on by, let's say, the forwards or the players of the NHL. Mm. And then you have the Bobby Orr trophy, which is the defenseman with the most points. Because for forwards, they have whoever has the most points is, uh, was it the Ted Lindsay trophy? I'm blanking on the name of it. Um, Anyway, there's a trophy for someone who just gets the most points, and then there's a trophy for MVP. Then there's a trophy for just goal scoring, right? Which I also think that's the the Rocket Richard. Rocket Richard, yeah, yeah. I think which John the Chichu won, you know, back in the day. Um, I think they should also add a Wayne Gretzky award for the most assists in the league. So you have one for the most assists, one for the most goals, one for the most points. There's nothing wrong with that, I don't think. But that's my own little rant i'll get off my pedestal sounds like you're starting to get into participation awards but that's okay ben and gunsry says imagine we have this version of ek65 in the very first year we got him when we were in contention for the cup if that was the case we did he got hurt yeah that was the problem he got hurt in the st louis series if he didn't get hurt in the st louis series we beat st louis and i'm pretty sure the sharks go on and win a cup it is unfortunate that was a brutal series St. Louis got away with a lot of stuff in that series. A lot of dirty stuff. That That's what kind of made me mad. And I think that's what Greer's kind of changing this team into is a team that would be able to battle through that adversity and dish out some stuff. Back then, the Sharks would be like, oh, you hurt me. I'll score on the power play to make it hurt you versus I'm going to pummel you and beat you into the ice, you know? So I yeah. think he's remaking that team so that they're going to be that whole culture is going to be like that St. Louis team, where they're going to be tough. Nicholas Egan coming up with facts right now. He says, Art Ross is the most points. Thank you. I could not remember what the name of that trophy was. Ah, Ted, Ted Lindsay is the best player as voted on by the players. That yeah. is also correct. Um, the, the, uh, what's the other one? The Lady Bing is most gentlemanly player. That's the one where you have the least amount of penalty minutes, but we'll you're see. a high-scoring forward. That kind Ted, of thing. Ted Lindsay is the best player voted on by the players. Have one. That's usually a forward. That's usually yeah, not a yeah, defenseman. Yeah. So you have one for defenseman, one for forward. Absolutely. I think that'd be great. Uh, Kellen Foster um, also throwing down some facts. He says, so Benning and Carlson and Paul was voting <laughs> for offensive and defense, or by the way around, defensive and offensive. Fair enough. Um, okay. <laughs> so we, we talked a little bit about, you know, the players that Kale McCarr has to work with. We talked about some of the guys that Eric Carlson has to work with. One of those, uh, jokingly, of course, was Noah Gregor, and I wanted to give just a brief update on Noah Gregor just because I like to watch you squirm. Um, Two-game assist streak. Good on you, buddy. Way to go, Noah Gregor. Uh, That puts him at four goals and five assists, nine points on the season so far. Now, Aaron, there are nine games 
left in the season. Just got done talking about Eric Carlson and uh, the pace that he's on. Uh, he's got nine games to go where he can get 10 points, right? And that would put him at 100 points. Uh, no, Gregor has nine points. So my roll call question to you guys is going to be, Will no- first of all, wh- where are you watching us from, right? Not your couch, but the city, please. Uh, and then will no Gregor get to 10 points before Eric Carlson gets to 100? It's a fair, valid question because they're both 90% of the way there, right? I'll take Gregor on the over. You don't take Gregor? One point in 10 games or nine games. He's got nine points in, in all the games he's played so far. Plus, you're not you're not counting the fact that he might get scratched. That's fine. He's on a roll, man. Just saying. Two-game point streak. It's coming. You know who else is on a point streak? Eric Carlson, three-game point streak, five points across that span. I'm just saying. Stay on that pace. Man's an Stay animal. Stay on that pace, Eric. SJ and LM says, yes, Noah Gregor will get to 10 points before Carlson. I, it, sounds, it sounds crazy to even ask that because it's only one point. But the pace at which they're doing this, you know, it'd be great. Pace is just so much better. If Carlson just rips off a four-point night, and then a three-point night, and then a two-point night, and then he's at ninety-nine in three games, <laughs> and then yeah. I'll be like, "Oh boy, oh boy!" And then what if they get a point on the same goal? <laughs> then it won't be before. It'll be push. at the same time. It's a push. Yeah. <laughs> right. Do you think we could get can we convince Windex to sponsor Gregor in the Bay Area like a radio commercial? <laughs> well played, Kellen. Nice job. Uh, pie bet, Aaron. No, Aaron is still uh, owed the outcome of the last bet before we start making new we'll, bets. We'll make it whole once we get a, a set and yeah, studio we built. We'll do I it. can't virtually pie Aaron. Yeah. Well, maybe Super Producer Jason can figure that one out, but I don't know uh kellen says orange county and yes gregor can do it i'm not saying he can't do it i'm saying i don't think he will do it just remember two games ago he was at seven out of ten come on now i don't know guys i don't know it's gonna happen Um, i have faith you have faith i have faith maybe next week he'll get it but uh he's gonna get it on a goal or an assist a goal or an, I mean, it better be a goal. If he's supposed to creep up to 10 goals, he's only got four. There you go. Nicholas, San Jose. Gregor scores a goal in front of 4,000 people this week at Mullet Arena. <laughs> you could have said 4,000 people in San Jose and it would have been just as accurate. <laughs> but obviously they're playing away. Oh, my God. Gregor will score a goal before EK hits 100. Harder to answer. Oh, okay. Will he score a goal? Hmm. I say no. That's hard. That's I say he does play. not score a goal. I think he will get an assist because he's going to just touch a, a puck before Eric Carlson gets an assist. Or he a had a goal the other night. It got called back because of offside. So then he didn't have a goal is what you mean to say, regardless. Right. Andrew Agazino, Aaron, this is a guy you wanted to talk about. Uh, Yeah, he's been called up. He's got three games. He's got three points. And that's not three points in one game. He's gotten one point in each game. So even longer streak than Noah Gregor. Um, wow. I think it's a fantastic call up. Think about it. He's, he's the leading scorer for uh, the Barracuda. So it's kind of a reward for him. What's funny is these three points are a career high for him. He's never had more than two. So he's got 
three in three games. Career um, year. He's played for Colorado, Pittsburgh, Anaheim, Ottawa, and now the Sharks. And combined, he's had 47 games. This is his career stats. 47 without the Sharks. 47 games going into the Sharks season. He had two goals, seven assists. So he's got one goal and two assists in three games. Either that shows how bad the Sharks are or how good Andrew Agazano is. His goals are actually... Was it? Agazino. Agazino. Sorry. What did I say? Agazano? Agazino. Agazano. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. It's also Aho, not Aho. <laughs> what? Sebastian. Uh. Oh, you know, I can't lie. It was, you know, a lot last, you know, month. And... <laughs> Aho, not you. You always call him Aho. <laughs> I used to work with a guy. His name was Alex Ho, and he went by Aho. So it just rolls off the tongue better. Oh, yeah, it really does. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Um, hey, here's a, qu- a question for you. Any guys in the chat, you go ahead. Fire away, too. Does Andrew Agazino end up with more points or the same amount of points as Noah Gregor uh, by the end of the season? No. He's three for three. No. No way. Dude, I don't know. There's nine games left. If he goes on this pace, he gets 12 total points. He'll absolutely pace. blow Noah Gregor away. Yeah, he's on this pace. He's going to do it. Come on. Come on. It's three for three, bud. You're ridiculous. Just saying. All right. Well, we'll see if uh, anybody else throws any other uh, comments in there. But while we're doing that, um, there's uh, some interesting things going on here. The Sharks are bolstering up their armed forces. You heard me correctly, folks. Uh, we've got the captain sure right we have alternate captain carlson and then we have grand admiral henry thrun <laughs> if you're if you're not a star wars fan you won't get that one uh but he is a defenseman from harvard six foot two 190 pounds he's got a two-year contract they just signed this guy um a couple days ago i think is what it was uh 1.825 million it's a uh 900 something uh thousand dollar cap hit um, Dauber prospects has him as a well-balanced defenseman. He's a good puck mover that can shoot the puck and, uh, play smart defensively. So, um, by all accounts, uh, sounds like a guy that could, we could certainly use in our system. He's got 33 points in 33 games in the NCAA. He was named defensive defenseman of the year. Kind of feels like a puck moving, um, Vlasic perhaps in the making. So who knows? Um, my question really is, I mean, is this a guy that we should be excited about? We, we've been excited about other players before, namely uh, goaltenders, right? Zach Amon, for instance, we were all pumped about him. Um, and, and some of the other prospects that we brought in, we thought, oh, yeah, this, these guys could be really, really good. And then maybe it doesn't really pan out. Is this a guy that we should be getting our hopes up about, Aaron? Do, do you know? Uh, I mean, he's not going to light the world on fire, but he's going to be a solid defenseman. I think this is going to is a guy with potential pretty much to be in the kind of like think of like um, Byron Ferraro. Like he's not leading the team in scoring. That's that's not his role. His role is to be defensive guy, shut down, work hard. This is this, this kind of guy. But when he ha- does have the puck on a stick. He's not stone hands either. He can move the puck and pass and and get the exit pass uh, to get out of the zone. So I think um, I'm excited to see what he can do. It's going to be very limited with these nine games left. But um, maybe because he is waiver exempt, they could send him down to the Barracuda 
and help them out and make the playoffs once either they're close to getting to the playoffs if they need help sooner than later. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I'm excited just because we traded a third round pick for this guy. So is he worth the third round pick? I hope so. I hope so. I think, yeah, I think- uh, the, the Sharks have a good read on him because of Todd Marchment um, in the Anaheim system. And that's who originally had drafted him. So I, I'm confident that he will be a solid, solid, maybe another Matt Benning. How about that? It's not bad. Yeah, no, that'd be great. That would be amazing if you could live up to Matt Benning, you know? <laughs> I thought you'd like that. <laughs> not bad, not bad. Uh, but yeah, he was, so we tried a third for him. He was originally 101st overall uh, in the fourth round, a uh, pick by the Anaheim Ducks. And he had come out saying that he has no intention of playing for the Ducks. So um, this is, you know, <laughs> kind of interesting. I, I wonder why he decided he didn't want to play for the Ducks, but he wants uh, to play for the Sharks. Because the Ducks had, since they had drafted him, drafted a bunch of defensemen ahead of him that leaped over him on the, basically his path to NHL got blocked because they drafted so many other players that are better than him. Not to say he's not good, but a different type of player. And it got clogged up, which happens a lot in organizations. So um, they decided, he decided what would be best for him is to, not sign with the Ducks because he would become a free agent or unrestricted free agent. He could sign anywhere he wants this summer. So the Sharks knew that somehow and then traded traded to get his rights and then um, were able to sign him to play. So he had a much forward path to getting to the NHL playing for the Sharks. Now, again, this is we've talked about this before, right? There's no loyalty to teams. There's no loyalty to who drafted you or anything, really. It's you want to play in the NHL, you play for any team. Even the Sharks at the bottom of the league, that means more ice time for you. That's exactly why Nico Sturm wanted to come to the Sharks because he knew he's going to get third line minutes versus fourth line minutes on another team. Um, there's potential and ice time, which is what you want to forward your career. So there you go. Which is kind of interesting because didn't the Sharks just go and grab a whole bunch of defensive prospects? Yeah, but he's NHL ready probably by next season you know, fighting for a starting role. Okay, so you put him ahead of Mook Madulin and Ahoychuk. Yeah, I could see them staying another year in the AHL next year. I guess uh, that, that must have been a discussion that they had then because, um, you know, again, you take a look. That was one of the things that uh, kind of impressed me with Greer for this season so far was mm-hmm. after the trade deadline, what they had done was they they kind of bolstered up that, that defensive uh, prospect pool. And, you know, hopefully the idea is you're going to get – um, at least one or maybe a couple of these really high-end forwards. Obviously, with your first uh, round pick, you're going to get somebody who's amazing. And then hopefully, you know, you, you make some trades, get like a late round first or a second. Um, you, you're going to be drafting some guys a little bit more forward heavy this draft would be. So you'll be drafting some guys that are still, you know, pretty good uh, coming in that later first or maybe in the second sometime there. So uh, if you could pull in some forwards from, from the draft, but you've got some good defensive prospects from the trades that you've made, really all you're doing, as you had said earlier, find a young goalie that you can, you know, kind of groom in, in a couple of years, you can trust to have him take over the net. So um, I, I think they're doing a really good job, at least uh, in theory, <laughs> with, uh, with the, uh, the initial bones of a rebuild here. So, um, yeah, if the run is, is part of this, um, of uh, the Sharks future. That'd be a really amazing uh, pickup there. So a I mean, third. He, he well signed a, he signed a two year entry level contract, but one of those years is this year. Yes. So he really signed a one year contract for next year. He'll be a, um, 
It's a 10-2C, whatever that is. Kind of an RFA in a way. Uh, he's not accrued enough professional seasons required for Group 2 RFA status. They're ineligible for an offer sheet. So they can't give him an offer sheet after next season. Maybe it'll change. I don't know what the number of games are. I'm not that nitty gritty into the details here. But um, regardless, he basically has next season to prove that he's an NHL player and fight for a position for beyond next season. Fight for that next contract. So that gave him... The Sharks are giving him basically a springboard to show that he is an NHL player and he can either sign with the Sharks or somewhere else. Well, he's going to get the opportunity to show uh, everybody what he can do at the NHL level. And that will be starting either tomorrow or on Thursday, because uh, apparently, according to San Jose Hockey Now, the great Sheng Peng uh, says that uh, Thrun will make his debut sometime mm-hmm. this week. So we got upcoming games here. Uh, the ones we're talking about, there's Tuesday versus Winnipeg, Thursday versus the Vegas Golden Knights. One of those two games, perhaps both, uh, Thrun's going to get the call, and he's going to be able to uh, kind of lace him up for the first time in the NHL. Yeah, it's exciting. It's, it's fun to see these... Uh... The NCAA players, they finish their seasons because the the Frozen Four, whatever the tournament is, the NCAA tournament is finishing up. So their seasons are done and they sign with uh, with their respective teams and play a little bit of NHL action. And it's always funny because they're coming straight from college. So they're going to the pros and and they're they're on par like they can play They're They're there. But then when they play in a full season the next year, they've never played more than 50 games in a year and they're going to 82 games. That's why you see a lot of these guys kind of falter into their next year. So it'll be a tough, long road for those guys. But it's fun to see when they come out of the NCAA tournament, they're at the top of their game, they're in shape, they're ready to go and they're excited. And everyone coming into the NHL is very you know, excited for the first couple of games. Your adrenaline is just going. So um, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to watch. Colin in the comments here saying, I give Greer credit for stacking the defensive prospect pool before the season's it wasn't looking too great. That's exactly what we were just talking about. Absolutely, Colin. Uh, and, and, you know, again, doing things in the right order. You you make the trades uh, to get defensive prospects, and you're going to make the picks for your offensive prospects. And then, again, all you really need to do is find uh, some goaltending prospect that will actually stick. We've kind of gone through quite a few of them, and, uh, you know, one disappointment after another. Even Capo Kakinen, I was kind of higher hopes for him. I mean, even we brought in Aiden Hill, I had really high hopes for him as well. But, uh, just doesn't seem to be panning out with those guys. So hopefully uh, this staff here will be able to get a good eye on a uh, good goalie prospect and kind of solidify us for years to come. Also, Nicholas Egan here saying Mook Madulin will probably need some time on North American ice to get used to the size next season. Well, he is playing with the Barracuda right now. Is that right, Aaron? Yeah, but it's only he's only going to get what? How many games are left? A dozen games or so? And then well, maybe depends. They, they make playoffs. Right. Maybe playoffs. If not, then. Yeah, he's I think he needs more seasoning. And from what Greer has done, he's kept all of those prospects for the most part down there the entire season to really groom them and and get them hungry and excited and hone in on their game so that when they do come to the NHL, they are more than ready versus like forcing them into the lineup because you need somebody. So it's very a very different philosophy and one that I think will be better for the Sharks in the long term because these guys are going to be overcooked and ready to, for the NHL by the time they are ready. I don't think he's ready yet. Uh, on the topic of goaltending, actually, Nick HBK150 says, speaking of the Frozen Four, Denver was eliminated, so no repeat for Magnus Krohn. And that's another guy that we had some uh, some pretty high hopes for. Um, again, he won uh, last season 
he was in the fours and four and they won last season. But uh, again, no, as yeah. uh, Nick said, no, no repeat. So there you go. That's, that's a goalies are tough because if you have a very good team in front of you, is the goalie good? Is he the reason that you're there? Probably not because your team is so good. And we're talking about college where these are all amateurs, right? These guys are going to class during the week. So they're not, they're not professional players. So it's a little bit different um, talent pool every night, but um, I'm not trying to knock Magnus Corona either, but he's not picking up the team, and putting him on his back at the same time. So he's a guy that I, I don't think is going to be an NHL regular. He's not going to be a starter starting goalie. I, I would think kind of that um, backup role, if anything, but he does have the coolest name. So I'm excited to see him at some point. Colin echoing that sentiment says he read somewhere that all the goalies that sharks have, including the prospects are at best NHL backups. Yeah. Uh, again, echoing kind of what you've just said there. So, uh, but again, for Thrun, at least, uh, Grand Admiral Thrun, uh, you've got, he should be in there either on Tuesday or Thursday uh, against Winnipeg or Vegas, respectively. But uh, there's also another upcoming game that week or this coming week, uh, Saturday in Arizona. Uh, as you said, there's all 4,000 fans at the uh, <laughs> Mullet Arena. Who are you talking about with the 4,000 fans? No, it was one of the comments in here. Oh, um, okay. I'm excited. I'm not going to do it this season, but maybe next season or the season after that, especially if we get uh, Connor Bedard on the Sharks, fly out to Arizona and go to a game at Mullet Arena because it would be awesome to be in a 4,000 arena with all the NHL players. So um, especially a Sharks game, I think it would be fantastic. You want to go? Should we do a show from there? So I do want to go. Um, I, I, I've already talked to my wife about this. I'm, I have a bit of a bucket list that uh, I'm not going to get to anytime soon, but I would like to visit every NHL arena. And um, I, I think I have to prioritize this one because uh, they may not be around uh, very long. <laughs> so. Right. Well, they do have a four-year lease, I think, there, which is absurd. Maybe yeah, five I mean, just years. the team. <laughs> the team might not be around for Right, long. I know, I know. Yeah, they might get moved. We'll see. Well, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, those are the games for this week, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Uh, and then, of course, we'll be back on uh, Monday. Correct. So, talking yeah. about these games and uh, talking about all the points we didn't get that we don't want. So it's okay. Um, Aaron, let's take a look at the standings here real quick. Uh, there are actually just, like we said before, nine games left on the season. Uh, so these three upcoming for this week and then six more after that. And the Sharks uh, are in a tie for dead last with Columbus. Crazy. Now, for the folks that were with us from the very beginning of the show, this is the reason that we started late. Super producer Jason had to take this screenshot, <laughs> make it all beautiful, and then uh, and then get it ready for you guys. So thank you, Super producer Jason. We appreciate you. Uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets, however, as you noticed there, they have one game in hand. Now, even if they lose that game, that does nothing And as far as standings wise for for us right normally when you're talking about you know if they if they win a game it, it changes the standings they they you know they go up and they increase and they catch us whatever but we're talking from the bottom now so we, we if they win a game it just gets us farther away which is good so um you know it can only be good things that they have more games to play even if they, they lose that extra game that doesn't move them down below us it just means that uh they stay put so, um, Aaron, yeah. do, do you, you have high hopes here? Do you really think that we can do this, that we can stay at the bottom? We can get the best shot at uh, getting Connor Bedard. Well, if they keep playing Reimer the way he's playing, absolutely. <laughs> I think that'll be a given, right? Um, it's, it's cool as Columbus, the Sharks, if they tie, if they end up tied, um, 
in points, they they go by regulation wins. And right now the Sharks have one less than Columbus. So I think this next two weeks, a lot of Sharks fans are going to be the biggest Columbus Blue Jacket fans as well as the Chicago Blackhawks and Anaheim Ducks because they're pretty close as well. But that's it. Those bottom four, there's a pretty big gap. There's 10 points between Anaheim and Montreal, which is going from 29 to 28. So it looks like it's a race between those four teams. And what's crazy is two of those are in the Pacific. So Connor Bedard has a 50% chance of being in the Pacific division. Well, probably a little bit less than that, but yeah, we just stunk. <laughs> if he's not going to come here, I would hate for him to end up in the Pacific division against us uh, for, for a decade plus. Right. Uh, I do not want to see him on Anaheim. I would prefer Chicago or Columbus over Anaheim. Absolutely. Um, ben says Hawks and Ducks are in a hot streak. Well, L4 Columbus and L5. Oh, losses. You mean hot streak of losses? Oh, man. Yeah, right now they've lost. Chicago's lost their last five games. Anaheim's lost their last four. Sharks have lost their last two. Columbus has lost their last one. Oh, that's another guy, actually. There you go. Um, uh, Kellen Foster, back on the topics of goaltenders. Goodrow, uh, Benjamin Goodrow, I believe. Didn't have a great World Juniors, but he plays really well uh, for Sarnia. Yeah, I mean, again, another promising uh, young goaltending prospect. Uh, Hopefully... You know, somebody, one of these guys catches fire and uh, becomes, you know, the goalie of the future for the San Jose Sharks. But who knows, man? Just who knows? Uh, but gosh, wouldn't that be like the perfect storm and and such a great introduction to uh, being a GM for Mike Greer to make all the right moves in like the first two years? You know what I mean? You 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 trade for the defensive prospects that you need. You draft the offensive prospects that you need, and you hit on on, a, on one of your goalies, right? And then, you know, maybe it takes a year or two, but then all of a sudden you've got a pretty solid roster again. I mean, think he signed he signed as a GM three days before the draft. So one year later, you're gonna tell Mike Mike Greer at that draft a year ago that in one year you're gonna be possibly drafting number one overall. <laughs> like that's crazy. And getting a generational talent, yeah. possibly. And even if not, you're gonna get a franchise player. You're getting a franchise player. It's almost guaranteed at this point because they're so low in the standings. Um, I think mathematically they were guaranteed top nine pick. Like they cannot do worse than top nine at this point based on the standings. Oh, if they win all their games and all the guys around us lose all their games, we would still end up in that worst seventh from the bottom. And then therefore ninth would be okay. I got you. Exactly. That's how bad it is. Or good it is. How good it is. I'll stick with that. It's great. Great. Yes. Again, so, uh, there's you know we always talk about Bedar, but there's there's other players there that are still incredible talents, right? Adam Fantilli, yeah. uh, Matt Vay, I think is the first name, Michkov, and then Leo Carlson's another big one too. So there's there's a lot of guys that are in that top four, top five that are extremely good hockey players. And you know while Bedard would be amazing to get, you're not going to be sad with any of the other ones. Exactly. So, um, yeah. you know, for them to pick up either of those, any of those uh, in that top four, I think top five, maybe even I think Graham Slam might be able to speak a little bit more to that. Uh, but any of those guys are going to make you better offensively. And then again, it's a deep draft and it's an offensive draft. So, you know, again, those, those late round first, if you could pick one up, uh, get your second or maybe you put, pick up another second. Again, the Sharks have a fair amount of picks. So um, and, 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 you know, if they do happen to trade Eric Carlson, you're getting you know, a little bit more from everybody else there yeah. as well. So, you know, who knows? There's a whole lot that could happen in this draft. 
And it'll be really interesting to see at this point next season what the Sharks are looking like. You know, if they're not looking too good uh, in the standings, but they've got a lot of good young prospects, and maybe the Coot is doing fairly well, uh, that could bode well uh, for the future of the franchise. So I don't know, man. Uh, I'm looking forward to next season already, and, and it kind of sucks doing that, but like, <laughs> I really am. I'm looking forward I'm- to seeing how this – it's kind of starts shaking out. I'm looking forward to the draft. I love the draft. I love seeing like who the Sharks are going to do. And I'm really excited because this will be really Greer and his staff's first draft. They didn't really do anything last season. It was still the Wilson era doing the drafting. So um, I'm excited to see what they do because, I mean, they have a guy on payroll who is specifically for the first and second round. That's it. it and they have three of those picks because they have two first rounders and the second round pick. Now, the first overall pick or the their first... I guess the Sharks' own first-round pick will be easier than the the New Jersey pick that we got in the Timo Meyer trade. I think it's going to be a little bit tougher because that's going to be a late first-round pick. Um, but then you're following that up with the Sharks drafting in the second round. They have their own pick. So that's going to be a very high um, second-round pick. It's going to be three guys in the top, what is that, 35 players? You're going to get three of those guys. That's pretty good. In, in a draft that's deep, right? That's pretty good. That's amazing. And that's 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 before, again, if they do trade Carlson, that's before getting those picks. So, right. I, I mean, again, you can get a whole line worth of guys that could be ready, you know, either immediately or within a year or two. And, um, I mean, that, again, that's that can change the franchise. That, it really can change the franchise. Um, I do want to address Kellen Foster here saying, as Kuda season ticket owners – Who's your most likely to move from TechCU to SAP? He's asking about Co. Robbins, uh, Boards, if there's anybody else. Aaron. But I'm thinking Bordolo. Um, I, I think that, you know, they they had him sign that contract and immediately uh, burned that first year of that contract by letting him play. He signed a two-year, but really he's really going to have one year uh, next season, he's just going to finish off the rest of this season. And it burns one of those two years. So I think they, they had pretty high hopes for Bordelow. And I, I feel like after being an AHL all-star and having a pretty solid season, uh, if he comes out and has a rip roar in camp after going, you know, to with, with training camp and maybe bulking up a little bit, getting a little bit more speed, uh, working on a, a few parts of his game and he impresses in training camp. I, I really think he can make a push for the roster next season. Yeah, I think I think what the Sharks are doing though is they're showing him that nothing's a given. You got to work your tail off to get anywhere. So, I think it's a good thing because nothing is handed to him. Nothing was handed to Eklund. He worked. He was consistently the best player on the Barracuda for a month before they even called him up. I think that's what they're looking for. Now, if the Barracuda can get into the playoffs and they do some damage and get a little bit I I don't expect them to win the Calder Cup, but if they can even get to the Calder Cup playoffs by winning, was it the AHL playoffs? I forget how it's all structured. It's all crazy. But um, just getting to that point and showing that they can lead the team and, and do well uh, as a leader and being the best players on the team, uh, that's going to go a long way going to it. Turn off, <laughs> turn off the fax machine, Paul. Yeah. You Apparently, cut I out went there. Full, uh, full robot mode there. Yeah. I apologize. Computer. Again, yeah. technology, man, it's is what it is. Hey, by the way, speaking of, of technology and me freezing up and remote things and everything else, uh, hopefully for the start of next season, uh, we'll be done with all this remote stuff. We're really, uh, we're really working on it. We're really cranking out. I know we've been talking about it for a few seasons now, uh, but you know, kind of COVID got in the way. 
Um, so lots of things have changed since then. We've uh, we've been trying to figure out how to get the the studio back uh, and, and working. And uh, I think hopefully we've got it figured out. And that next season during this downtime, we'll have the opportunity to get the the studio back and in place. And then yes, like. Why am I small now? What happened? <laughs> what did I do? Your quality just <laughs> cut out. That's why. I uh, cut video. out again? Your video quality just dropped. That's why. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, I guess that's uh, the, the Internet's way of saying uh, wrap things up here. So maybe we'll have to do that. Um, I've heard Bortolo still needs to work on his two-way game, especially his defense. That's, yeah, that's I'm, I'm sure a lot of guys that are prospects yeah. offensively need to do that. Anybody who's talented offensively, um, and is a prospect is probably needs to work in their two, two way game. Just ask Kevin LeBanc. So oh. there you go. Uh, Aaron, anything else you want to say here or should we just, yeah. uh, Nicholas Egan real quick. What bandwagon should the sharks fan jump on for the playoffs? Canes for burn devils for Meyer, a different one. Definitely the devils, because if the devils get to the conference finals, their second round pick that they traded turns into a first round pick next season. So for me, I'm rooting for the devils. Um, I don't want them to win the cup. I'd rather see Carolina win the cup. But whatever. I want to see Burns win a cup. So personally, I would like to see Burns for the Sharks organization. I would like to see New Jersey get there to the to the conference finals at least. I think that's that's the trade, right? Not win the conference finals, but get to the conference finals. I feel like, yeah, I think it's to get to the conference finals. Um, I could be wrong on that. It's been yes, a while since if they I've make about it the today. conference finals, the pick becomes the first. So, yeah, is it possible? I, I got to look because I didn't look at the way it's set up. But if it's New Jersey versus Carolina, then I'm rooting for Carolina. I like okay, Carolina, Carolina, too. I like their team. Uh, they're fun. They're yeah. they're they're a team that does fun things that not a lot of NHL teams do, like when they celebrate after the ice and they do something different every time. Remember? Yeah, um, I like that stuff. I think the NHL needs more of that. And it kind of gives the personality of the players kind of come out a little bit more. So I like that stuff. Very good. Okay. Well, uh, I think the toaster is overheating because I keep skipping around over here. So, um, Aaron, if there's anything else that you want to bring up, uh, fire away right now. There's the toaster. That's it. (laughs) Get on with it. Yes. Get on with it. (laughs) We we should have new uh, get on with it uh, clips, too, by the way. That'll be fun. Uh, Once once we get more guests coming on, yeah, we'll have some more. We just stunk. (laughs) (laughs) all right sounds good uh well hey guys again we appreciate you stopping in we appreciate the chat uh it's always so much fun going through the questions and and the comments here um makes the 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 show a whole lot of fun for us so uh uh, thank you for that if you'd like to contribute and uh support the show you can do that uh by the super chat function or you can go to venmo at the fin factor anything you put in the comment there we can read out live on the show or on the next one uh, you can also go to thefinfactor.com and check out all of the merchandise that we have. There's a link that says support the show because that is what you're doing. Uh, you're helping us uh, keep the lights on and the virtual background virtual. So uh, thank you for all that you guys contribute. Uh, I do appreciate that very much. We have lots of cool stuff in there. Hats, shirts, sweatshirts, canteen, water bottle, uh, whatever that thing is called. Um, fanny packs as well. Stickers, all that stuff. So <laughs> we need to get some uh, Fin Factor branded turtle wax so you can wax your head with it, but. We need to get some uh, bumper stickers, like, what do you call it, uh, magnetic ones and yeah, some other cool stuff. I think that says it's called a water bottle. Yeah, it's just a water bottle. 
All right, sounds good. So for Super Producer Jason, I'm Paul. And I'm Aaron. And we will see you guys next week. Next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this episode, check out our other content, especially interviews. You can interact with us directly through social media at The Fin Factor and on Instagram at Fin Factor. And don't forget to join our live streams on YouTube. Visit our website at thefinfactor.com where you'll find all of our episodes as videos or podcasts. You'll also find our exclusive merchandise to help support our show.